If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The following is brought to you by the Leave It in the Ring Podcast Network. All boxing, no filter. Greetings and welcome to the Boxing Esquire Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Boxing Esquire Podcast, presented by The Ring and RingTV.com, and distributed by the Leave It In The Ring Network. My guest on this episode is one of my favorite boxing writers, Mr. Bryn Jonathan Butler. Bryn and I did our recap of the year in boxing for 2019. We talked about the biggest stories, including Andy Ruiz's upset win and its reverberations. We also talked about uh, what happened with the rest of the heavyweights, the top heavyweights, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, and Anthony Joshua. Look back at the good, the bad, and the ugly involving the biggest star in the sport, Canelo Alvarez, how his wins probably earned him fighter of the year, how his battles outside the ring with the zone and his promoter, Golden Boy, played out, and how the long delay before his fight with Sergey Kovalev was probably one of the year's lowlights. Also revisited the year in welterweights and how PBC's two big fights at that weight didn't quite work out as semifinals for unification in 2020. Spoke about the brilliance of the World Boxing Super Series Finals, Top Rank's de facto lightweight tournament, KSI and Logan Paul, the celebrity fight, and much more. It's a really lively conversation. Hope you enjoy. So I'm pleased to have back on the podcast my good friend and uh, one of the foremost writers in the sport of boxing, uh, Mr. Bryn Jonathan Butler. Welcome back to the Boxing Esquire podcast, Mr. Butler. It's a pleasure to be back. <laughs> Speaking of back, we are looking back at uh, 2019 on this end of the year podcast. And, uh, um, you know, it was a very eventful year, 2019. Um, just kind of wanted to get an idea from you um, as opposed to as, as I was just on a podcast where we were not going to do the usual fight of the year, round of the year, manager of the year you know, year of the year uh, kind of thing. Um, but uh, just in your opinion, um, as you think back on 2019, what, what were the biggest stories um, and impactful stories uh, to you in 2019? I think it's the cliche of the, that where boxing went was where the heavyweights went. I mean, you, you had the Andy Ruiz shocking, shocking victory that we both were at here in, at MSG over Anthony Joshua that I don't think very many people saw coming. Not at all. And you had some closure. It was bookended with this result in Saudi Arabia. Um, and from there, I, I, I think Deontay Wilder has been very intriguing in the sense of putting on some pretty iconic knockouts, but leading up to that, losing most rounds, if not <laughs> all rounds, to right. competition that... Uh, you know, it's it's he's he's providing a lot of red meat to both his supporters and to his critics. And then, where does Tyson Fury fit in? Right. Uh, you know, where does ticket sales fit in to boxing mm, right now? Mm. In terms of uh, Aaron publicly stating that that promoters are having a lot of trouble selling tickets. 
you know, DAZN resorting to Saudi Arabia <laughs> with with all of the kind of backlash that he faced from that. So boxing, it's in an interesting place while it's still flush with cash, but I think people are beginning to look at what is boxing going to be potentially if these these waters run dry a little bit. Mm. Yeah, that, that that that's you know, there's a lot to as, as my good friend Evan Rakowski said, there's a lot to unpack there, friend. <laughs> yes, perhaps. <laughs> Shout out to Evan. Uh yeah, you know what? I, you know, to me with the heavyweights, yeah, obviously that, you know, uh Andy winning was was an absolute shocker and really a feel good story at the time. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people making comments that, you know, the man with the dad bod, someone they can identify with, you know, as opposed to Joshua, this huge bodybuilder, superhero sure. looking guy. Um, you know, uh, kind of a, a big victory, uh, for, for those of us with the dad bods. But then, uh, you know, when you think back as well on 2019, you have Fury, you have Wilder, you have Joshua, and they did not fight each other at all. The top three heavyweights in the world avoided each other in 2019. Um, you know, and, and, and they're all kind of, well, I wouldn't say they're all equally guilty. I mean, Joshua, because he got flattened by somebody. Um, and had to make amends. Um, Fury and Wilder, you know, there was going to, it appeared there would be mm-hmm. an, an immediate rematch. And then, and then Tyson Fury, uh, you know, very surprisingly, uh, you know, top rank in a, in a major move by them, uh, signed Tyson and uh, decided uh, to go the route of, of building his visibility yeah. in, in, in the United States. Um, you know, whether that was successful or not, we'll, we'll soon find out, I guess. Right. Uh, as they're building towards, a what Aram deems a, a blockbuster pay-per-view that's going to sell 2 million, uh, buys in, 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 in early 2020. But, but yeah, I mean, in, in you know, a little bit of a disappointment, obviously that, that, that Fury ducked out of that rematch and we just, we didn't get big fights. Although Ruiz, Joshua, the rematch became a very big fight, uh, yeah. I think I think when I think about the heavyweight landscape, what intrigues me about it is it was presented by promoters. It was packaged as a modern golden era. Right. And increasingly it's seeming even less perhaps than the era that the nineties represented in the heavyweight division, mm. which was promising. Right. You had a lot of very interesting prospects. I mean, a lot of people from that era, you and I especially, remember the the night of the heavyweights that HBO put on. Right. A young David Tua knocks out John Ruiz in one round. So it never happened again for John Ruiz. I wish some more people could have done it because it would have opened up <laughs> some fights we wanted to see. But, uh, you know, we were introduced to a lot of very promising guys. Uh, I remember in the 90s, Michael Grant showing up and he had sort of the same nucleus that Tyson did. And he's a destroyer and he's even more large than a modern heavyweight. And what's he going to do? And then... We put him in there with Lennox Lewis, and he's flattened. Right. I think something like that is seeming a lot more possible mm. with the heavyweights in terms of Wilder. While nobody's questioning this guy's one of the greatest finishers that the heavyweight division has ever seen, or at least has some of the greatest power that we've ever seen. But at what is he? Thirty-two now? Maybe thirty-three? No, I think he's thirty-four. Actually. Maybe thirty-four. <laughs> um, yeah, I have to check on that, but I think he's, he's thirty-four. But not a spring chicken. Right. And a record that's not exactly crammed full of Hall of Famers. <laughs> right. And uh, when you put him in there with stiff competition, if anybody's able to avoid being knocked out, they could win pretty decidedly. Right. You know, decisions against him. 
as I think Fury was, I think a lot of people saw it that way. I thought right. he wa- he had a pretty clear decision in there, despite two very impressive knockdowns that Wilder scored. Joshua in this rematch, I think what was really interesting with Ruiz is he did get vindication, but he also vindicated, I think, his critics because I think they saw somebody who showed a lot of fragility, a lot of caution, was losing exchanges that he was engaging in. And it's very odd to see a guy of that size with that ability running on, right, on his back right. foot the whole time right. against not just a dad bod, but a morbidly obese, <laughs> um, you know, even more so than the first go round, 283 right. pounds. And uh, Joshua looked fragile. Right. And right. I don't know that we're going to get the Joshua back who fought Klitschko. Right, right. So if that guy's gone, if the shine is a little bit off Wilder as a result of two fights with Ortiz and, and one fight against um, Tyson Fury, and Tyson Fury seems quite inconsistent right. in who's showing up, despite full credit for what he did against Wilder, uh, similarly against Klitschko, but you never know what you're – it's a crapshoot every time he comes into the ring. Maybe these guys are I'm not, not going to produce any real iconic fights. And even if they do, I think the people who are talking about this building into massive pay-per-views <laughs> seems a little ludicrous at this point. Well, that, that you know, you, you hear it from both camps with Wilder and, and Fury, right? I mean, you've got, you know, Wilder, I mean, and, you know, listen, I mean, he, he looks great against Brazil. He did what he was supposed to do in that fight. Sure. Um, with Ruiz, you know, we watched that fight and, you know, he didn't win a round, at least from what I could see. And, and then, but then poof, you know, one shot and, and that's it. So without question, Deontay's a very exciting fighter. You, you have to watch, you know, every second because he could end it at any time. But, you know. And Ortiz is a 40 year old <laughs> at best, you know, himself dad bod. Right, with, right. With, um. You know, this is not a modern, you know, elite level fighter. Right. It's, I mean, all this talk about the boogeyman of the division, like, he's 40 years old. Who's on his resume that makes him this extraordinary boogeyman? It's, he's a boogeyman relative to these three guys that we've been bringing up as, right. as this extraordinary resurgence in the division. So <laughs> it's, it sounds a lot more like marketing than the actual substance that's there. Well, well that's it. They've spent all of 2019 marketing, right? right? Because, you know, Tyson Fury had two absolute nothing fights with guys <laughs> who were not, you know, rated in the, you know, in any respectable top 25. Sure. Um, and he did the WWE, you know, and, and, uh, you know, Wilder made the rounds on Fox and so on. So it's all been about the marketing and the buildup to the rematch. Um, but you know, uh, you know, as we were talking about before, I just think, um, you know, the, the more we see of these heavyweights, it's almost like the less appealing they get because we realize they're not so elite. They're very vulnerable and it just seems like they're playing with fire the, the the more they keep them apart. I mean, all of these guys are, I think, in their 30s now. I think Tyson Fury is now 30. I think he's actually the youngest of the bunch. Yeah. Um, you know, it's time for them to fight. And it's time for them to enjoy their time at the top. And we'll, I guess we'll get in another discussion. We can talk about the young guys who are on their way up. But sure. I, to, to my mind, these guys have a few years to be at the top and to really, you know, make money fighting each other. Um, you know, now's about the time. I think we're done with the with the building them and oh, marinating this thing. 
Let's see the fights. <laughs> you know, and I think the 90s gave us a lot better fights than we're seeing now. Right. You know, we did have a trilogy with Riddick Bowe and Holyfield. And the first fight was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. And Actually, he, all, all three fights all were good. Yeah. They're all good. You know, and Tua did get in there against Lewis. Right. Lewis did get in there in two kind of shitty fights against Holyfield. Tyson finally does fight. You know, I guess that's in the 2000 fights Lewis. But you got some of these matches that people were well, great. Tyson fought Holyfield twice. And, and, into, that's right. In the know, classics for very different reasons. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So we did have, I think, when I think about the 90s, there's enough there that I can focus on the fights that happened. Right. And some of the surprises, some of them predictable, um, a lot of excitement, a lot of iconic knockouts, interesting characters. I mean, where Tommy Morrison fit in. Uh, Michael Bent upsetting him, Lewis's dominance, Lewis getting dropped twice, avenging those two. Right. You know, some interesting characters, interesting matchups. And the ones that didn't happen, you know, the Lewis bow, you don't dwell on it because there was enough there that you enjoyed. Absolutely. Absolutely. And boy, it makes the current situation that much more anemic <laughs> in terms of right. uh, creating enthusiasm, not just for the the common sports fan but for boxing fans absolutely absolutely well i guess you know 2019 we saw you know um i it seems like it's the class of 2016 those, those olympians are guys who kind of came up around then um a lot of young heavyweights continuing to develop you know you had uh you know philip hergovich mm-hmm. um daniel dubois who you know i mean his opposition is not particularly great but he's mowing it down like you want to see someone do sure. highlight real knockouts. Um, you Usyk know. is exciting. Yeah, there you go. Usyk, Usyk is a guy who uh, is you know kind of you know I mean you you I still consider Andy Ruiz you know in the top four. You know I think mm-hmm. him against any of those guys should he get his ass into halfway decent shape will be interesting. You know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I would still be interested in seeing it, but yeah, Usyk is kind of joining the party at, at, at number five and, 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 um, yeah, I mean, what did you think of, of his lone fight at heavyweight, uh, in 2019? I think, he, I think he, you know, he has as good a chance as anybody to, to dominate any of the crop of heavyweights. Right. He just has the skills. I think he has enough power. I think he has the discipline that he's going to come in shape every time. I mean, that's another thing that I think stained this this year was just Andy Ruiz the thought was and especially by people that had lived the Andy Ruiz story I'm thinking Buster Douglas Michael Bent both of whom I interviewed about upsetting the you know big dangerous guy is that Ruiz will not let this happen he will not live the cliche thing <laughs> right there was hoping against hope yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and especially by those two guys I mean Buster said absolutely he he's going to do even better the second time in adamant Right. about it. But I mean, it wasn't even that, that I thought Ruiz was the cliche. He almost aspired to be the cliche, <laughs> you know, gaining the weight, all the money he's blowing, going to strip clubs and just this opulence and vaingloriousness. And you're thinking you're leaving a lot of money on the table. Right. And all you have to do is, is look, I mean, viable in the <laughs> right. rematch, right. look like you really want it. You want to have a career here, but you know, everything that got him there, I mean, it's why we don't see many people in that position that don't have that kind of obsessive, demonic work ethic. Right, right, right. Is generally, this is not a crapshoot. Like, you can you can make a good deal of money if you just play the favorites consistently. Right. And boxing's mainly set up as a Cowboys versus Indians kind of thing. <laughs> uh, so, 
I look at I look at somebody like Usyk that just has the tools that I, I mean I think the vulnerabilities that we've seen in Joshua, I think he definitely knows that that chin is not granite. I think Wilder's feet leave him open to somebody with the skills that Usyk has, and then Tyson Fury, you don't know which Fury you're going to get in there with. Right. There is there is a very good, capable, dangerous, unorthodox heavyweight there. But there's another guy who can look awful against mediocre competition. Right. If that guy comes in there against Usyk and Usyk's on his game, Usyk could be all of them. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of have that impression too. Just, I mean, I don't think he's like you know. I mean, what we saw in that heavyweight fight um, against uh, Chaz Witherspoon, who was a guy who's you know warmed over you know yep. opponent, but uh, but a guy who came, who got in shape and, and yep. tried. Yep. Um, you could see Usyk is a little. You know, the size difference was, you know, I mean, he was ultra cautious in that fight. Ultra sure. cautious in that fight. Like, a lot of people thought he carried, he did not carry Witherspoon. No. He was just very careful. And and he always starts slow and then, and then builds up and, and overwhelms guys sure. in the late round. So, it was, it was a typical Usyk fight, but more caution because, you know, it was a bigger guy in there. So, I don't know that he's going to blow anybody away at heavyweight. I think he's he's going to fight very methodical and mm-hmm. and, and be Usyk um, at cruiserweight. He can get guys out probably late and maybe at heavyweight. You know mm-hmm. the Witherspoon types he can definitely get out. Sure, um, but I think at the top level, yeah, you're going to see very technical performances. But like you said, I mean, you know, he is a very technically proficient fighter. Mm-hmm. We saw in the in the World Boxing Super Series final, like him at his best. He can move for 12 rounds. Yeah, he can move his head. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that's what you, I mean, Fury gives you a little bit of that. But, you know, Wilder, not as much, and Joshua hardly at all. Yeah. So that wiggle and wobble, you know, that athleticism, um, that agility. And, you know, I've always thought that these big guys, if you if you got a holy, if you could, you know, reincarnate Holyfield, yeah. you know, uh, a guy who can actually throw four or five punch combinations, move his head, get out, you know, move, uh, you know, and, and, and box like a lighter weight guy, they give these big oafs, you know, uh, a lot of trouble. And that could be Usyk. That could be Usyk. I think it could be. And I, again, we're talking guys, both Joshua and Wilder. If he walks into a right hand, it's over. Right, right. You know, right, and, and right. I think he knows that. But I think similarly, both Joshua and Wilder, I'm, I'm very struck by just, just the anemic activity. That they yeah, demonstrate. that's a problem too. Two fights a year, you know. You at yeah. most you'll get two fights a year. And within say. those fights, how inactive they are! On top <laughs> right, of it, right. they just don't punch much. Right, right. They're just right. used to spending a lot of time sort of slowly slogging around the ring, and one here, two there. Maybe every round you get three or four punches that are sort of thrown out there. But somebody like Usyk is capable, I think, of throwing. 30, 40, 50 punches with intention to really strike. Right. They're not probing punches and I think is very effective countering in ways that maybe these guys are not used to being energetically countered. Right, right. So I think if he can develop a good game plan and again, he's on his game and maybe these guys are off their game, there's potential. But then again, we I think with Joshua and Wilder, you cannot dismiss just the, the power that we're dealing with is one mistake. Right. You're out. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So other big stories of the year. I mean, obviously, still the biggest star in the sport, uh, Canelo. Um, You know, two fights with pretty good opposition. I mean, Daniel Jacobs, I would consider a top three middleweight when he fought him. And 
Kovalev, I think, had worked his way back to being like a top three uh, light heavyweight when they fought. You know, not not stellar pound for pound type opposition, mm-hmm. but you know, probably good enough opposition to get him fighter of the year. Although we're not going to talk about that, yeah. but I mean, you know, a guy moving up two weight divisions and beating a top three guy at, at, at light heavyweight is is pretty impressive. Um, but you know what, what what stood out to me is is you know what kind of happened outside of the ring with with Canelo and that we didn't see the Triple G fight mm-hmm. and that caused problems with his promoter and the network. Like he stood up to the network and the promoter and said, "I really don't want to fight Triple G." Right. You know, I don't care what you promised the network. You know, I mean, I'm I'm. I'm Canelo. I'm gonna fight who I want to fight. Yeah. You know, this this show doesn't go on without me. Right. To the point where they couldn't close a deal on the traditional Mexican Independence Day. They had to like push that fight, um, you know, into November. Um, so you know, what did you make of uh, Canelo's uh, 2019? And, and and you know, what, what was your impression of the, the the moves he made? I think for better or worse, and I mean, there are some issues with this comparison. A lot of people look at what he did to Kovalev and compared it to Andre Ward, mm. and they said, yeah, okay, Andre Ward got Kovalev when he was undefeated, and he really was a pound for pound sort of terror, but. Canelo was a much more convincing victory and mm. knockout. I mean, mm. it wasn't using the testicles of Kovalev <laughs> as a speed bag. And, uh, and he didn't look in danger in the way that Ward was early on in mm. the first fight, getting dropped. Right. Uh, I just thought it was commanding. It was a dominant performance with a, a blistering, iconic possible knockout of the year yeah, to take yeah. out Kovalev. I mean, it was devastating. So I think he's making a very strong argument, not just with resting on his laurels with what, like who he's fought, this incredible resume throughout his career, incredible amount of activity for such a young guy. I mean, not 30 yet, still just so many fights. I mean, fighting sort of like the old school guys did. Right. And, um, you know, he is improving still, it seems. Right. Or if he's not improving, he's shrewd enough and who his opponent is that he gives that impression. Right, that, right. I mean, there's something electric about what he did against Kovalev. And and I agree, taking t- a tough, tough opponent in Danny Jacobs. So I think you have to give him a lot of credit for not just what he's doing, but who he's choosing, how he's managing his career. And, you know, Andre Ward in, in fighting Kovalev when he was – still perhaps more dangerous. I don't know. I thought Kovalev still looked very dangerous. Um, Well, I mean, I think some people after the fight, it's easy to say he was a shell of himself. But, I mean, Kovalev killed a man with his punches. Yeah, I don't think Kovalev was shot. I mean, he he beat an undefeated, very strong uh, kid in Anthony Yard who came to win. I mean, he he definitely, and he nailed Kovalev with some shots. looked like he might get him out. Yeah. But Kovalev came back for me. You know, I, I had made the statement before that fight that, you know, Kovalev wins this fight. He's hands down the fighter of the year because he had come back early in the year, mm-hmm. avenged that knockout loss to a leader Alvarez yep. in convincing fashion. He outboxed him. Yep. Looked great. And then Yard was, you know, undefeated, strong kid who, who came to win. And Kovalev got over some rough patches and, and was able to get through it. Um, and I know, think he beat Ward in the first fight. Right, right. And you don't do that if you're a shot fighter. No. Either of those things. So... You know, let, let, let's not say he was, you know, uh, completely diminished. I mean, he's older, you know, yeah, he's, he's a little, little 
warned, you know, Ward stopped him, Alvarez stopped him. Yeah. But, you know, he had, he had avenged it. And, you know, I mean, kudos to to Canelo for, for uh, you know, interesting game plan. And, and you look at Canelo's face after the fight, he got puffed up. I mean, oh, yeah. Kovalev wasn't bombs away. I mean, no. he, he, the game plan was to jab and just keep it a distance, keep, you know, obviously they were scared to death of the body shots because they know that's his weakness. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he, he definitely, you know, I mean, it was, it was up for grabs going into that 11th round. I think that's true. And, and, I mean, the thing that most impressed me with Canelo that I think is why he's the face of boxing, legitimately so, is almost every round there were moments where Canelo is throwing a hook with the intent to end the night. Right, right, he, right. He, is trying really to hit point. that walk-off home run really good a lot point. and still sticking to a game plan right but he is not like where i think ward you looked at the first fight a lot of it was survival right. a lot of it was okay tactically i need to adjust to deal with this i've been knocked down Ooh, this is embarrassing what do i need to do to win whereas i feel like with canelo you saw signs of i want to win big right my pride is in this right it's some of those things that transcend just like, oh, this is a smart way to sort of figure out a victory. He wants to leave a legacy behind, I think, that he's remembered. Right. He's 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 very old school in that way. Like, you know, the the fighters we grew up with in the eighties, like the Friars, the Leonards, you know, if they were dominating a fight, that wasn't good enough. They right. wanted to close the show. That's right. You want to close this, you want to get the guy out. That's right. It's not good enough to just win convincingly. Yeah. You want to close the show, give the fans what they came to see, a knockout. So yeah. Definitely credit to Canelo. And also the two, you know, you look at those two opponents, Jacobs and Kovalev, very different. You know, I mean, Jacobs, you're dealing with, you know, blazing hand speed and with knockout power. Yep. Um, Guy who can turn righty and lefty. Movement. Yeah, movement. I mean. that shape. Yeah, a really, really uh, tough fight. And then Kovalev, just this big guy who's, like you said, he's killed a man in the ring. He. It's really hard, and he's got that like you know the jab that's knocked people out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, so you're dealing with big raw power and a guy you're moving up to weight division. So you know, kudos to Canelo had a great year. Um, and, I, and I'm not surprised that people called out Ward. You know, after right, that, saying right, it seemed like a natural. It almost. seemed like a natural. If he's going to come back, that would be the fight. And I don't think he will come back. I right. think Ward. Left at exactly the right time. Yeah, I agree. Stay retired. Stay retired. Andre. And it was, you know. <laughs> nothing to be gained. <laughs> nothing to be gained. It was precarious enough with those two fights. You avenged, you know, anybody who said that you lost in the first one, which I was one of them. <laughs> right, <laughs> I right, the right. But I, I give him full credit to come back and also prove why he's never been marketable because nobody really cared about either of those fights. <laughs> the first fight was tremendous on paper. Right. And people cared even less for the second one after the fight proved to be great. Right, yeah, that, that's, that boggles my mind. I mean, that, that's, that's where you really need a real promoter, you know, behind it. And, and, and yeah, uh, Rock Nation kind of dropped the ball. Uh, they, they really didn't, uh, you know, I mean, because, you know, Andre's not a guy who's flashy and who's going to, you know, draw a lot of attention to himself outside of the hardcores and the sports. So, no. And Kovalev either. So you really need a real promoter to to uh, gin that one up. And, and unfortunately, they didn't have one. Um, but full credit to Canelo for living up to the face of boxing for another year. Right. Where he, uh, he took a mantle that Mayweather had established you know, with some huge money where greatness was measured by the till. Right. And 
Canelo is not measured that way. It's an afterthought how much money Canelo has made. Right. We're talking about the fights. Right. We're right. talking about who he's fighting. We're talking about how he's fighting them, and we're talking about how he closed the show. Right. Well, right. that's not the Mayweather era. <laughs> right? Nobody is revisiting the greatest hits of Mayweather where he was making all this money after Gaddy. And I don't take anything away from the brilliance of Mayweather's marketing savvy right. and genius to earn him that much money. Right. That's on him. He left Bob Arum where he's not making any money. And he was the architect with Al Heyman of... Well, he wasn't making crazy money. He was no. making millions. Yeah, but yeah. nothing comparable <laughs> to a marketing plan right. that he had in mind. Him and right. Heyman had in mind. So right. I give him full credit for that. But I also think you need to contrast the actual substance of what was there. Avatar is not the greatest movie ever made because it made the most money. Right. You know, right, it right. made a lot of money. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. But don't confuse it with any of the great classics. And I think what you're seeing with Canelo and I think where his career trajectory is headed, he's still getting better. There could be a better 2020. I think everybody was excited about the idea of him fighting Ward or, or who is he going to fight? There's right. so many exciting places to go. We know he wants to go there. Right. So I, I think that's useful for the sport. Oh, absolutely. You, you have a, a, uh, the, the best pound for pound guy in the sport really wants to achieve greatness and, and cares about legacy. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that is great. Um, and it's taking risks. Yeah, it takes, you know, it, you know, I mean, calculated risk with, with Kovalev, you know, but, but in all honesty, I, I, I would have to say that, that, that Kovalev was out, was without question the biggest star at light heavyweight. Yeah. I mean, you know, Better Beev and Vazdek hadn't had their mm -hmm. uh, unification yet. And, you know, even after the unification, I mean, you know, can anyone in the general public name who the unified uh, light heavyweight champion? So, um, so yeah, Canelo, Canelo had a great year. Um Wanted to get your impressions on, um, you know, the first full year of boxing on uh, free-to-air TV on, on Fox with the PBC um, on, on Fox and FS1. Um, you know, what were your impressions of, of, of how PBC handled that? And were you satisfied uh, with, with the fights and uh, boxing on free TV? I mean, I'm, I'm all for more people being exposed to the product, but I think that there is, I mean, just following it loosely on social media where I'm very much a voyeur rather than a participant. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, is your sense that the tenor is really positive about how people are responding to this much product, but we're not really, I don't get a sense that we're talking about specific fights being great. Like all for all of this money that's been sunk into boxing, what are the great fights that we've had as a result of it? <laughs> this year, actually, I thought we had a lot of great fights. Mm -hmm. um, the problem is, I, you know, like you said, there's just so much boxing and it's not coordinated. Right. Um, and we got a, most of it in the back half of the year. True. So it, it was kind of like bing, bing, bing for a little while. Yeah. A great, which, you know, as a fan, you're just like, this is fucking awesome. You're yeah. getting a great fight, you know, like... Every week, I mean, I, I made a list of, of, of you know, the, the best fights of the year. And, you know, like October you had, you know, like, um, I know Usyk fought that, that month, but you had Triple G, Derevyanchenko, you know, Better Bia, Vazdik, Taylor Progray, the, the, the finals of the World Box Super. I mean, that's like three great fights, great fights, you know, plus, you know, plus, uh, plus Usyk too. So you had like four, like kind of marquee fights. Back to back, and that was right on the heels of of Spence and Porter. Yeah, which was tremendous. Yeah, 
Um, and I think just as, as a boxing public, you know, coming from the HBO Showtime era, it just didn't happen like that. No. You, were, you weren't getting great fights every week. Now, you know, and, and, and also because these guys have so many dates and these networks need content so much, yep. there's really not time for these guys to properly promote every fight. Like, I don't know how in the fuck Eddie Hearn, you know, and he doesn't, you know, it's like he's 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 got fights going in Italy. He's got fights going in Germany. He's got fights going in England. And he's trying to, you know, grow the zone in the U.S. Right. Like you cannot unless you've got an army working for you of real professionals who are great at marketing. You can't properly promote all those fights. And, you know, Steven Espinoza has been very vocal about this, saying that there's too much boxing, uh, which, you know, I mean, honestly, I think a part of the problem is that and it's great for the it's great for the fans or maybe it is overload is we're, we were used to seeing just the co-main and the main. Right. Yeah. That, that's all that used to get televised on HBO and Showtime. Yeah. You know, and even ESPN, you know, you didn't see the whole fucking car. Now it's like with these streaming, you know, like with, with, with the plus ESPN plus and. And zone, you know, sometimes, you know, these cards, you know, you're, you, it's like six hours of televised boxing. It's I mean, too it's, much. Yeah. It, it is too much. <laughs> well, I think, I think there's also an element of it that's maybe a little bit analogous to, like, let's, let's compare it, say, the Star Wars universe to, like, Marvel or mm. to, the, to these comic book things. My sense with the comic book movies, which I'm not knowledgeable about, but I mean, obviously, I'm aware of all these people that are here in New York City. You see them advertised everywhere. Is it will never stop? There's nine million of them to go see. Right. There's not a sense of cohesion to the fear that it's going to be here and it's gone. Right. There's a lot more where this came from because right. it's just an ice cream stand where that you know they're giving you the soft serve. They're pumping it out. They're yeah. pumping it out. As long as you keep paying for it, there's going to be more, more, more. Right, right. There was a sense with the original Star Wars that like at any point this could end. Mm. There was a sense of urgency. Right. There was a sense of it building up to something. Right. There was excitement, anticipation. Um, when it ended, you didn't know where it was going next kind of thing. Right. Um, so I feel like with boxing – like, I mean, in the 90s, when you saw Bo and Holyfield fight, it was like, are we going to get the rematch? Right. They build up this kind of anticipation. There is a sort of smotheringness and a, and a lack of cohesiveness to, like, these building to anything, mm. building to a sense of playoffs, building right. to a sense that boxing will have its act together to, to deliver on the promise of things that are suggested. Right. Because now the expectation in boxing is that generally the fights you really want to see because of the politics, you probably won't. Right. And you certainly won't see it at best when you wanted to see it. Right, right, right. It just sits out there way too long. Way too and, long. And fans get pissed off. I mean, yeah, great. You know what? When it finally happens, because there is this, like, you know, long build, it's probably going to make a lot of money. Assuming yeah. that your guys get there. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean. But the product is pissing people off. So, you know, you wake up in the morning and you want to have you know, sugary breakfast cereal. It's one thing to just have it in the bowl and you eat it. It's perfect when you want it exactly right. as you want it. It's another thing. If it's presented to you, poured into the bowl and you have to sit there and watch it get soggy. <laughs> and then when you finally get it, well, yeah, it is all these ingredients, but they're not there. The timing is very important to right. this, right. to the success of this and boxing, the whole let it marinate and stuff. 
what are the fights that have been marinated that have been great successes versus all the fights that have been complete failures, right. missed opportunities as a result of the philosophy of marinating them? And you're talking about the fights in the ring, right? Yeah. Like, like, like you know, the obviously the classic example is Mayweather-Pacquiao, which sure. happened much later than what people wanted it. You can say, well, but look, set a record for pay-per-views, you know, they made a ton of money, but they also left a horrible taste in everyone's mouth and, and, and that had repercussions on the rest of the sport. I absolutely, and especially <laughs> with casual sports fans. Yeah, it marinated way too long. We got a shitty, boring fight, and then you find out Pacquiao was injured, but of course he's not going to pull out with all that money on the line. Right. So, you know, it, it, it just was a fucking disaster. I think boxing... Even though it was massively profitable. Right. I think, <laughs> I think boxing has a certain degree of conceitedness based on that, that, I don't even know if Kellerman coined it, but the four corners argument relative to the other sports that right. to, a fight breaks out doesn't matter what the hell other sport is going on people are going to the fight yeah okay that's that's true right but i think what you're seeing is is that the opening fight of a ufc match is 85 percent full arena watching it right that's not boxing right right boxing right. needs basically other than the main event usually it's half empty right if not more right and they're having huge trouble selling tickets. These shows feel really long. Right. Like they're really fucking up. Like these all of this money and you look so maladroit the way it's presented. Like the way the Saudi Arabia fight looked. And this is like this is Anthony Joshua in a tremendous rematch where you think you've got global attention, you know, massive purses that are on the line and it just looks so silly and slapdash. Right. And you know, it's raining out there. Like, right. You're just like, hasn't boxing figured out how to do this better? <laughs> I mean, maybe it's part of its, like, charm in a, cer- in a certain sense, but there's just an element of boxing where it's like, how is there not a better organizational, like, governing principle to create a sense of trajectory and shape to right. where, you know, we're building this stuff. Right. We have one champion, not 19, not where even right. hardcore boxing is, don't know who these champions are. Right. You know, the silver belt, the intergalactic belt. The <laughs> it just gets worse with the sanctioning bodies. Yeah, worse, especially worse. The, the BC and the BA, which are the oldest ones. You think right. they would be the ones with the most integrity. And they're clearly the ones who figured out that the more belts we create, the more money we bring in. You know, screw integrity of the sport. Screw, right. you know, uh, the general sports fan. You know, we're going to try and get a piece of, the, you know, it's just about the bottom line. It's just about the bottom line. And yeah. it's about the short-term bottom line. Right, right, right. You're talking about Saudi Arabia, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the the move, you know, if you're Joshua's management and looking out for him, you take that fight to England, right? Absolutely. You know, you have to have that back on his home soil, Absolutely. you know, where he's most comfortable to, to win that rematch. You know, if, if you know, you're looking, you know, at the network. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They wanted it in the States, you know, because you sure. that's where they're trying to build their audience. But so, but Hearn was just like, no, we're going to take it where whoever offers the most money. Right. And it went to Saudi Arabia, and I think Aram saw that. And we're going to see a lot more top rank events from Saudi Arabia, you know, right. because he's saying he can't sell tickets here in the United States, which, which is funny, you know, going back to the PBC, because you see, you know, and and this was something that uh, I mentioned in a tweet, and uh, I did a podcast the other day. I guess we were supposed to talk about it, and we didn't get a chance to talk about it. But um, someone had posted something who was obviously a big. PBC proponent on, on online about how, you know, um, you know, 
but for the PBC, you wouldn't see black fighters in big fights, you know, because there's this, you know, kind of trope around that, oh, black fighters don't sell tickets and this and that. Hmm. And, uh, and I just said, I said, listen, you're not lying because when I had, I mean, this is years ago, but when I had Corey Spinks in like 2002, 2003 or 2002, um, no one would sign him. And he was like, he is just coming off losing a, a horrific decision that he should have won for the, for the title. He was obviously one of the top fighters. And I had Travis Sims, who was a puncher, um, number one contender in WBA, and no one wanted to sign him. Why? Because these guys are black southpaws, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it turns out, yeah, because black, black fighters don't sell tickets, right? Well, you know, Corey Spinks beats Mayorga, and, you know, unbeknownst to, you know, the, the boxing, you know, uh, you know, intelligentsia, Kevin Cunningham had been building Corey Spinks in, in St. Louis on local cards. Mm. And he had a huge visibility. So when he beats Mayorga and, and unifies the title and has everyone who didn't sign him slapping themselves in the head because I had to take him to Don King, yeah. um, Spinks goes back and fights Judah, sells out the Savas Center, like wow. the biggest indoor you know arena in St. Louis. I, yeah. I mean, I can't remember. It's got to be close to 20,000, maybe even. Mm. It was a, almost the size of the garden. Yeah, He sells it out. Yeah. And Travis Sims, you know, in, in, in Connecticut. Another guy, very popular locally, sold, you know, a, a ton of tickets when he fought in Connecticut. Sure. So, you know, you're not selling tickets. Well, maybe you're not putting the fighters in the right places. Like, right. Bud Crawford seems to sell plenty of tickets when he's in Nebraska. Yeah. And doesn't at Madison Square Garden. Right, right. And doesn't yeah. at Madison Square Garden. And you've got, like, Tank Davis, who did very well in Baltimore and who's become kind of an icon in Baltimore. He's selling out in a place that never sells tickets, not even to football games, right. basketball games. Atlanta, right. one of the most passive audiences in, in professional sports. He's moving a ton of fucking tickets. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you, you, you've got to do a little more work, promoters. You've got to do, right. you know, like really, um, you, know, uh, you know, instead of just like sitting on your ass. And, and, and again, like I said, these guys have so many damn dates. Right. And they got to find places for these fights. It's it's hard. Yeah, it's really they put in the you know it's 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 a pickle because you know I'm sure they're getting paid a ton of money too to to to, to sure, fill sure. all these dates. But you know if you're not selling tickets, then you know maybe you need to think about like you know home growing some of these fighters who have local followings, right. no matter what race they are. You know because you you can't just say oh only Hispanic people buy tickets and support boxing. It's bullshit. It is bullshit. Well, and I think they also. These price points for a lot of fights that have been disastrous pay-per-views also is your fucking – I mean rape is a harsh word. But like your intention is to rip off your clients. Right. You know, rip off your customers and as long as you get their money, it's a big success. No, it's not. Right. And businesses don't work that way. Criminals work that way. <laughs> I robbed the bank. But like you want to – I mean I've, I've had that teaching boxing where somebody reaches out to me and says, hey, if I'm paying in advance, you're not going to rip me off, right? It's like – no, because I get more money by giving you the service you're paying for, and you come back and give me more money, and I don't get arrested for stealing 400 bucks or something like that. Like It's not difficult to understand how this works right. in a legitimate way where everybody makes out. Right. But yeah, it does take a little more effort. Right. So I mean if you're going to charge $100 for pay-per-views where it becomes the standard, mm. you know, suddenly like around that era, around that amount where I remember like, Tyson getting out of jail fighting Peter McNeely, I think it was $50 for a pay-per-view. Probably. I can't remember people, it was in the 90s, yeah. <laughs> and people were just like, yeah, it was 95. And people were like, $50 to right. see him fight a nobody or whatever. And very quickly now, like, 
even a shitty pay-per-view is 60 bucks, 70 right. bucks. Yeah, we're bucks. like 60 to 80 as yeah, is the general trend. Yeah. So, so like the all of these guys get nervous like, "Ooh, we don't want to put the price point at something that's kind of embarrassing and and <laughs> reestablish this as as a median for it, but I think what you do is just exclude more and more people and well that's it. The biggest fights Seen by the fewest people. It's the That's only right. sport that does it. Only sport that does it. <laughs> and a lot of the fights that they do see, the cash register is full at the end, but most of them are pretty disappointing. Right, right, you know, right. You shouldn't be gloating about Pacquiao Mayweather. That should be a big disappointment. Right. In terms of like, in terms of that being a success for the health of the sport, it was disastrous. Yeah. On the short term, it was phenomenal. Right. Nobody questions that. But the reason why everybody's only talking about how much money it earned is because it fucking sucked. <laughs> because it was tremendously alienating and it contributed to the perception of how cynical boxing is. Right. How exploitative it is. And how, you know, you have a Mayweather making $200 million while kind of nobody cares about anybody else. Right. In the sport. It's not a good look, I think. Like, it's not a direction you want to go in for the health of the business. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, I talked to John Nash on this podcast. You know, the the one thing you see in other sports is they, you know, whether you agree they they uphold this or not, but you know, there's a lot of talk about the integrity of the sport. You know, and 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 you know, doing things the right way, and you know, what's in the best interest of the sure. sport. You know, you just get none of that in boxing. It's because you know because you don't have people working together, and you don't have a you know a a, a set of of rules and regs and right. and you know, an agreement by everybody to live by these rules and regs. And, uh, yeah, so you, you get what you get. Well, it's just a bunch of bootleggers, you know, like it's, <laughs> it's just, it's so funny to me because it's like, if you ran it like the other sports where, you know, you have the union, you have these competing interests and everything's sort of on the table instead of this gigantic black hole. Right, right, right. Exactly. You know, free this, for all. Yeah. yeah. It's free for all in this black box economically. And it's right. sort of like, no barrier to entry to really jump into it. And, and, you know, everybody's like, who, who are the good parties looking at the welfare of the sport five years down the road, 10 years down the road? It's flush with money now, but when there's not money, right. Where is it then? Right. And and you've got these big entities, right. Right. That, that, that aren't working together and are, you know, I mean, they're, you know, I, I'm hoping that they're figuring this out and that, you know, working together, is, you know, as my old friend Don King used to say, working together works. Right. You know, I mean, it, it's true. You know, you, you really, uh, um, you know, every other sport has figured it out. Boxing can't seem to figure it out. You've got four major players. How hard would it be to bang out some sort of agreement where you're doing tournaments, fights lead to fights. You're pacing the fights so that they're not all at the same time and on right. top of each other. And you can't actually promote these big fights, you know, like space it out. Figure it out. Other sports have done this. They get it. Well, you know, another new kid on the block in combat sports has figured out how to do this a lot. Better. Right. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. You know, as I say, if you've got eighty-five percent of fans showing up to see UFC at the beginning of the card, right, right. Yeah, I mean, listen, boxing fans know like the first four or five fights in the card are cowboys and Indians. You yeah. know, it, it's it's just prospects beating up on veterans and, and the no delays. Overs. I mean, the, jo- <laughs> yeah. the the Joshua Ruiz fight. 
the idea that they claim there was a co-main event, like at the last second, and they throw on somebody you've never heard of to demolish somebody <laughs> that you never will hear of again. Like, it's like, what, is, what are we doing? Although I, I appreciate them actually putting a fight into Phil Space sure, as opposed to what sure. we got for Kovalev Canelo. Right. Two guys sitting, laying on a couch. You know, that oh. was the worst ever. On and on That had to be, on. to me, I mean... The, the worst moments, obviously, in 2019 were fighters perishing in the ring. And sure. because there's more coverage of the sport, we got to see that, you know. A lot I mean, more. Yeah, which which isn't, it's always a tragedy. But but beyond that, probably, to me, like, one of the, you know, the, the, the worst thing of the year was seeing, you know, what's the action in the ring? Oh, you know, this pay-per-view fight, or actually was a pay-per-view zone, but... Um, you know, this this massive, you know, fight with the biggest fighter in the sport. The biggest fighter in the sport is made to wait while another sport's, you know, not even the best fight in their yeah. sport is, 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 is takes place. Just a huge miscalculation. Right of way. And right of way. We'll just stay at the stop sign indefinitely. And I, I suppose they had their reasons, you know. They didn't want to, you know, step on the toes of another sport. and And they felt like... If they could grab the viewers of that one, they'd, they'd like up their subs sure. or what have you, and they claim that that's what happened. But still, that that was like one of the worst looks of, of, of 2019. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah, and, and it was not just a snapshot. It was an hour and a half or something that he's on that couch waiting. The, the split screen of both of them yeah, on amazing. the couch was like... <laughs> amazing. Amazing. And yet just so typically our sport. Yes, 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 you know, exactly. We have all these claims to fame about how much money we're generating on certain nights, but overall we're still a sport that regularly is churning out these images that show just steps on its own dick. Step yeah. on its own dick and just just <laughs> yeah, emblematic moments of incompetence, uh, lack of cooperation and just sensible prag- pragmatism that would be good for everybody and we are nowhere near it. Right. Absolutely. Well, now that we've shit on the sport uh, <laughs> for the past ten minutes, let's talk about something that's uh, that's a little more positive. Um, although it had its moments as well, but the World Boxing Super Series, I thought, delivered up um, two amazing finals, two very well matched finals. Although one of them going in, no one thought it was well matched. They were actually fearing for Nonito Daenerys' life uh, going into that, and that was to me that was you know again talking about the fight of the year. But to me, that was the fight of the year, mm-hmm. just because maybe because of expect how it exceeded expectations. But you know, and people can disagree with me on this. But I had that fight even after ten rounds. Yeah, I, I thought Donaire had fought his way back into it. I thought he had made a run of rounds going into that eleventh round. I thought that fight was up for grabs. Who the hell saw that coming? <laughs> because <laughs> I mean, yeah, I th- I thought about that fight after what happened to Donaire fighting Nicholas Walters. Right. Being blown out right. after seeing how he responded to Rigandau. I mean, when is that? 2013? Yeah, he took a beating in that fight. He took a yeah. beating in that fight and just, just really, his balls were taken after the first round. He was just like... Once he ate that left hand that blew up his eye. Yeah, yeah he just kind of... Yeah, he's just kind of like, okay, I don't know what to do with this. And it's great <laughs> right. that I'm the ESPN Fighter of the Year. It's great I've had all these incredible but, knockouts. But I just got hit with a fucking bazooka, and I don't know if I want to. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like he can do this to me whenever I throw a punch. Like, right, right. I don't know what to do, so right. I just want to survive. 
I don't think anybody saw that. I mean, he was a three to one favorite. Right. And oh, by the way, I'm going to like go back down two weight classes and see if I can compete yeah. at like in my mid thirties so, after so, losing decisively to Carl Frampton. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So yeah, goes down these weight classes. He's a lot older now. And these light guys, you know, generally age a lot faster Absolutely. than the big guys. And Inoue, who I love watching, I'm yeah, a must watch fighter, um, who's just, you know, you just thought he was going to kill him. Yes. Absolutely. Just kill him. And uh, you were hoping maybe Donaire would would put up, you know, land one, you know, have one moment in the fight sure. that he could look back on, like land a big left hook. But just uh, they just had tremendous chemistry that I don't think anybody saw coming. That is one of the wonderful things about boxing is when they can throw these kind of curveballs that blindside you. With you know, I, I think we saw, saw the same thing with Porter when you know Porter's coming on against Errol Spence. I don't think. A lot of people anticipated that he could give Spence as much trouble as he did right. and have it remain as competitive, but not the same degree of excitement that uh, Nonito Donaire did against Inoue. Because, I mean, Inoue is just such a devastating combination of elements. Like, he's right. just such a complete fighter, and we haven't seen kind of, um, you know, what, what he possesses at such a light weight. Being such a dangerous puncher is always really thrilling. I guess we saw it with Chocolatito. Right. But uh, but he's also just, it's fun to have it from Japan, right. which is a little bit different. <laughs> right. And uh, so, yeah, what a thrilling, unexpected moment that was, that fight. Yeah. And, you know, the great part to me, too, was that you got to see what we knew he had. Like, mm-hmm. you you know, you know he's got power. But, you know, can he box? You know, can he take a shot? You know, if he's cut, how's he going to react? You yeah. know, can he take this fight into the late rounds? Can he take his power into the late rounds? You know, can he rally? Yeah. And he showed all of that. And he and he showed, you know, the ability to counterpunch. I mean, he showed a lot of skills in there. Sure. And he, even while Donaire was having, you know, a lot more success than people thought. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that 11th round where he dropped him and, and looked like he was going to put him out. And then Donaire hit him with his money hook. Yeah. Right on the button and froze him. And you're thinking, oh, my God, is Daenerys going to come back and stop him right here? Right. But, you know, Inoue, again, just bit down and, 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 and you know, uh, came back and, and maintained control and then got the win. So that was great. And, and, and the other uh, World Boxing Super Series final uh, between uh, Progre and Taylor was just a grinder. You know, that, yeah. that was one where, you know, unfortunately, as I'm watching it and again, you know, I, you know, Full disclosure, I, I drafted the complaint on behalf of uh, Ludabella and uh, Prograde suing the World Boxing Super Series to try and get him out because, you know, they weren't happy with what was going on contractually. But, um, you know, that was one of those fights where, uh, like, every round was closely contested. Neither guy could separate. It was just one of those grinders where, you know, one guy, you know, has, has, a, has a moment. The other guy, like, tries to get it back. Yeah. Um, just a tight fight, tech, very technical, um, you know, a few kind of breakout highlights, but mostly just really just tech, just a, three minutes of every round. These guys were like thinking. Great fight. Yeah, just, I mean, just a real grinder. I mean, I, I like the variety of, of that there are many different elements that can contribute in a, a unique calibration to create a great fight. Right, right, you know, right. It can be a war of attrition. It can be... Balls to the wall, right? Lyle Foreman, right? You know, right. Inoue Donaire. I mean, I think that was its own, as you say. I mean, that eleventh round. So yeah, I, I love to see different kinds of fights that really uh, 
grab you and take you in and you don't know where it's going and and just these guys lose themselves in those fights where they bring out the, 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 they become much better than I think they're ca- they think that they're capable of being those sort of transcendent uh contests absolutely of will of skill you know they they have all of that and these tournaments i mean they create stars they do you know they do i mean usik was created the first year of the world boxing super series sure. Callum Smith, I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed, very disappointed in his 2019. Coming off of, I mean, he knocked out George Groves. That was a big win. A huge win. At, at, at super middleweight and just didn't really come off the ground in, 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 in 2000. Almost lost his last fight against yeah. a, a guy who was not supposed to give him that tough of a fight. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, you know, Taylor, you know, great final with Taylor and, and Prograde, great final with Anui. And uh, Donaire, unfortunately, the cruiserweight final didn't quite make it. No. To, you know, they. I mean, there was actually some litigation that went on that kind of delayed it. Um, but yeah, the World Boxing Super Series as a concept, I think, is absolutely amazing. It could be a model for the sport. Should be a model as an organization. I, I think you know they really. I don't. I don't know if there's even going to be a World Boxing Super Series uh, in 2020. Um, you know, I mean, they, they've talked about it, you know, and, and, you know, but they're very cryptic, um, you know, and, and obviously they had money problems. Um, so yeah, world boxing super series, you know, you, you hope that it, that, uh, it succeeds because it, it really is kind of, you know, you, once you get the best fighting, the best in an organized fashion where fights lead to fights, yeah. that's where we need to be. I agree. And I, I mean, I think, I think you start with Andre Ward's career. Right. And know, that's it. I was going to say, the Super yeah. Six created stars. Yeah, absolutely. Not just Andre Ward, but Carl Frotch came sure. out of that sure. and, and became an even bigger star after absolutely. the tournament. Absolutely. Kessler had a, a couple wins yeah. or a couple big fights after that. And even Arthur Abraham, who got his ass whooped in the tournament a bunch yeah. of times, went on to become a world champ and then and, and fight for many years and make a ton of money. So... You know, memo to the fighters out there: get in the tournaments. Yeah, you know it's not going to hurt your career. Yeah, you might lose, but you get visibility and you test yourself against the best. You know, and and if you succeed, you become a star. If you don't, that gives you you know more grist to like get back to the gym and get better. Yeah, test yourself, man. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think the benefits of showcasing the best of what you have to offer are, are you know, pay off a lot more. Yeah. Than than the liabilities and risks involved in it because I agree right. I think Ward came out of that Super Six where it was just like wow right whereas right. that's not how he went going into it right if that had not happened would those fights you know I mean yeah, would probably, he have gotten those fights probably not probably not you know and he would have went along you know fighting scrubs or whatever yeah. or, you know having bum fights and people were like when's when's Andre Ward going to fight somebody right. <laughs> you right. know? but instead it was just one after another instead after he another. had the balls to get in yes he did. And the confidence, and he kicked ass. Yep, yep. And, and yeah, a lot of these divisions, I think, could become attraction divisions if they set something like this up for each of them. Absolutely. And, and you know what? I think, you know, because of uh, the World Boxing Super Series and because fans, you know, at least the Twitter universe, you know, it's pretty almost unanimous in their love for it, and, and, they, and they like this. You know, uh, you see there... I mean, to my mind, there's more unification fights, even outside of the World Boxing Super Series. Now, obviously, they're a big contributor to it. But, you know, I was just, you know, looking at, you know, the, the champions in each division. And there's 17 weight divisions, and in eight of the divisions, there's at least one unified champ. Huh. So, I mean, that's that's good. That's, that's in a great. much better place than boxing's been in a while. I didn't realize that, but yeah, yeah. that is, yeah, over half, well, almost right. half. 
Yeah. Right. Mm. And and even, you know, top rank got into it, you know, they they had a light heavyweight unification with the better BF and Vosdick. Mm-hmm. They've had, you know, Lomachenko collecting lightweight titles and, and they're leading to almost like a World Boxing Super Series final where you got him and Tiafimo Lopez, right? Yep. Coming up. Absolutely. Which is great. And you know, PBC is, you know, they would have much preferred they would have loved to have Spence Pacquiao. Oh yeah. Uh after what they I mean they kind of had like the semifinals. You had Thurman, Pacquiao, Spence Porter. If it had led to Spence Pacquiao, uh, that would have been. And, and they, I mean, if, if it could happen, they'd make it in a second. Unfortunately, I don't think Manny wants any part of Spence. And I don't think he should. But right. yeah, no, no. And then, you know, and, and that, that, that's, that's a fight I really want to talk about too. Pacquiao Thurman, because that was kind of a turning point. Because I was Thurman. Thurman had been the one PBC fighter who consistently drew really awesome ratings. Yeah, and he had kind of come through the unifications and the big fights with Porter and Garcia as the man. Yep, and then went off, got married, got injured, got injured again. You know, and his career kind of stalled. Yeah, but even with all that, if he beats Manny Pacquiao. That's huge, and huge. I and I have to think that would have been the the result that the PBC wanted because yeah. he's homegrown, and Pacquiao. You want Pacquiao to pass the torch. Yeah, you know he's not going to be around forever. No, you know that, I think that was the design. Yeah, I think on the plan. I agree. I yeah. think that absolutely was the design was to pass the torch, but then Pacquiao goes off script. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I think you know the Thurman said he went into that fight. He fought, you know, you're not going to turn that fight down. But he went in injured, is what you say. He had bad hands, and you know, and I don't know. It might not have been a 100 percent key Thurman, but even I mean, he fought well. And, yeah, and it, that was a very close fight. Yeah, very competitive. I mean, I think it was a signature victory for Pacquiao. But yeah, absolutely. Let alone a signature 40 year old Pacquiao. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's a crazy... If you didn't think he was a legend before that fight, you got to concede after that. That was just, no. you know, such a... I mean, to beat a Keith Thurman, who's considered a top dog, uh, you no, know, crazy. And, and set up to be a superstar, yeah. No, huge, huge win. Because I think on paper, I mean, not long ago, the idea of even Mayweather at sort of his zenith of earning power, the idea of putting him putting him in there against a Thurman was like, no, that's right. That, we'll pass. That's a little much, <laughs> sort of thing. So no, it's a, it's an incredible achievement, and and it galvanizes his options for twenty twenty. Right, right, yeah. Well, that, that that's interesting. We'll get to that. We'll yeah, get yeah, to yeah, that. Yeah. That, that might be a whole another podcast, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody should do a podcast on. That. Yeah, you know what's going to happen in twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, uh, it, it, it's encouraging that, uh, that, uh, you know, the world boxing super series is out there and that, you know, it's kind of encouraging other entities to, to make the best fight, the best, those fights that we want to see. Mm-hmm. And with these 50 gazillion fucking titles out there, come on guys, fight oh. each other, fight each other. I don't, you know, I mean, everyone, and listen, I get it. That, that's what I'm paid to do. Is to wring every last penny out of every fight, but man, negotiate your ass off, but make the fucking deal, man. Take the fights. <laughs> you know? Yeah. At the end of the day, take the goddamn fights. Yeah. It's better to do that. You know, look at the Super Six, look at the World Boxing Super Series. You know, take the fights, make the big fights, do it. You know? Well, and just I think what we're seeing is, and we're gonna see a lot more of it, is the income inequality. 
that's mm. going to become a dominant theme in boxing. It's going to get a lot worse when the money, this influx of weird money that's in there right now, right? You know, silly money. Once it's gone, and these guys are forced to take tough fights in order to earn paychecks remotely commensurate with what they're getting now, right? You know, make yeah, it's going to be a weird landscape. I think soon. <laughs> Very well could be. Very well could be. So, um, I guess one last note here. As far as um, young stars and so on, guys, guys on the way up. Who who impressed you the most in 2019 of of, of like the 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 younger generation of fighters? I think the the most exciting fight on the horizon as a result of 2019 would be Teofilo. Teofimo Lopez and Lomachenko mm. is I think that's a dangerous fight for Lomachenko right and uh, I just couldn't be more excited for it because I think whoever wins that fight both guys could be their brands could be improved as a result of it because there's right. so much there right right yeah absolutely absolutely two extremely talented fighters yeah. who uh, who every time they get in the ring there's buzz there's excitement you, yeah. you know you're looking for something spectacular and they're taking a big risk to fight each other, both right. of them. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You, you get a sense that right now the, 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 both of these guys have enough weaponry against the other and they have different skill sets, distinctly different skill sets, that they're, you know, what, before the bell rings, they're looking across the ring at the most dangerous opponent they've ever faced. Absolutely. And uh, that's, that's the best that boxing can offer us, I think, as fans. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's, it's viable to make the fight. <laughs> on top of it so i mean i think that should come along so yeah they've done their part to make it as exciting as possible to anticipate right, i guess i had a, a couple more here mm. for uh for 2019 to me what would i deem the non-story of the year was uh zufa boxing and, and, and dana white just constantly grabbing headlines with uh you know, first there were people talking about the rumors of them, you know, taking over the PBC, which, you know, kind of, you know, we, we heard there were talks, but it wasn't like they would heat it up. They've been talks over time sure. and nothing's nothing's happening in that, um, you know, and, and Dana, you know, talking about, oh, I'm going to make a big announcement about Zufa boxing. You know, we're getting that going after the summer. We're going to make the announcement in October. And then, you know, basically, you know, they had planned an IPO where they were going to have this influx of cash. Yep. And uh, they didn't have the IPO and uh, no cash and uh, no big announcement uh, in 2019. So that was kind of like the, you know. I think, I think I mean, he's kind of like the Andy Ruiz of uh, promoters in the sense that he pulled one thing off that was amazing. <laughs> you know, making the UFC viable, coming out with as much money as he did from it. But I, I don't think there's a marketing genius there. Right, I think there's right, a promoting right. genius. You right. Know? Give him credit for his one achievement, but don't think that you're an undiscovered genius in a bunch of other areas. <laughs> it's usually where people get into trouble, where they have success in one area and they think that, you know, they can take this, you know, whatever formula they had and, you know, it's going to apply to everything. And yeah. boxing is a completely different animal. And if you don't have the horses, no. you know, I mean, unless they did something, you know, to, to my mind, unless they did something like acquire the PBC or acquire Top Rank. Um, why would, why do we care about these guys? You know, no. I mean, they could go ahead and form a league, but with what? Who the hell is going to watch no. it? You got to have, you know, I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. People watch good fights. Yeah. They want to see the best fight the best. 
you can dress it up in the Aztec gold title. You can, you know, the intergalactic, yeah. you know, Superman, Captain Underpants title. New Jersey Turnpike title. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Gives a fuck. But... Yeah, fans know a good fight and, 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 and a shit fight. So Well, and Dana White also has to deal with the fact that when you're a, a czar with a complete monopoly right. in the UFC, right. any asshole can walk into that position and force these guys like gladiators to fight one another, slaves to fight one another, for no money. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah when, when you basically created a sport out of whole cloth, you know, yeah, or, or that's, a modern version of it. That's functioning in total criminality in terms of the rights of, of the participants that are making no money. Right. Oh, wow, you're amazing. You know, like, but, but yeah, I mean, like, like, like some of those jokes where I was seeing some reporters remarking in Saudi Arabia, like, look at how fast they built this thing. Yeah, slave labor works and it's efficient <laughs> and things can go really quickly. Right. Nazi Germany was pretty quick at moving in certain areas. Like, we always focus on... All the negative stuff, but yeah, like <laughs> so. So no, I think I think him trying to move into boxing, like it, it is complicated. You have a lot of really smart people that are involved in it. They're right. bringing expertise from a lot of other areas, a lot of education. You know, Don King has his you know instincts for business that have, have shown like you know he made a pile of money, he made a lot of people a lot of money, he fucked over a lot of people. Al Heyman is obviously a bright guy, but I know that something is rotten in Denmark. When I'm hearing about the credentials of smart people and not what they're actually doing that's intelligent, <laughs> which was a lot of Al Heyman, right? Mm. Look at look at his credentials, Harvard Business School, whatever. And it's like, how much money did he blow in boxing? <laughs> you know, you know, Peter Nelson with HBO taking over to be like, look where he's coming from. And it's like, well, what are the actions he's doing that keep making me saying he's a genius at this position? Right. I'm right, never right. hearing you talk about any of the fights he's creating <laughs> or the great work he's done. I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's dumb, you know, with what he's doing. I'm just saying it's a dangerous place where somebody's hanging around for a while and you're still talking about like their credentials. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Like, you know, when, what have you done for me lately? What, what, yeah. you know, what's, what's going on? What, how are you moving the ball forward? How are you moving the ball forward? And it's just, yeah, I mean, you can see it with the people that, that do that. I mean, with Eddie Hearn, whatever you want to say, it's very clear how he's moved the ball forward in sort of taking over boxing and, and you know, doing some things where you can you can clearly see, here are the actions he's doing, here's the money he's making his fighters, here's some of the fights he's putting on with a very aggressive you know, maneuvers that he's been making to go up from nowhere, like no visibility for American audiences to he's everywhere. Right. All the time. Right. And I'm not saying I agree with his choices, but it's, uh, yeah, I think boxing needs to have more, be more transparent with what it's doing to move the ball forward. Right. Well, I mean, I guess with Al, I mean, you, you can say that, I mean, listen, his goal was to bring boxing back to free TV. Which and, he did. And he did. And I mean, you know, if, if you transport yourself back in time to, you know, the the HBO era and, and when things started to first go sour, um, you know, you heard Todd DeBuff talking about it. Like, you know, we don't have enough visibility with the sport. You know, we you know, we, we don't have the eyeballs. We can't we're not growing the sport. It's shrinking. Right. You know, um, and, and Al took a huge chance and may have blown a lot of money. You know? Well, and that's what I'm mean, saying. I, I don't know. Like you said, it's a black box. I mean, yeah. maybe, you know, who knows what's going on. With I'm just saying like, like, wow, what a genius to spend $400 million <laughs> of venture capital and everybody who invested in it lost money. Right. You right, know, and right. I'm saying the same thing with HBO. We have this new guy and he's incredible. And where's HBO <laughs> two years later? 
What were the great moves that he did? Yeah. You know, yeah. to make that guy vice president sort of thing. Like, that's <laughs> where I just question, like, huh, I'm just not hearing what they're doing that is really benefiting the people who are investing them or investing in them or promoting them. Right, right. Where it's like, really? Like, like why this guy as opposed to another guy? Whereas right. in other cases, it's very clear why that, that guy's in the position he is because he's making people money or you can... You know, Al Heyman was making, you know, fighters never complain about Al Heyman right. because of how much money they're making. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, while while Eddie's out there spending some Russian trillionaire's <laughs> money, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe a little recklessly, you know, it's it's kind of the cycle all over again. But, um, um, all right, I guess one, one last thing um, for 2019, and this may not be the best thing to, to end on, but... Um, uh, and I call it the non-story of the year because it was something that you know made a lot of noise, and now you you, you know it's just like it never happened. But the whole KSI Logan Paul rematch. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Did you even watch it? And 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 what was your what was your impression? And 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 going you know forward, I guess like like you know you know people were talking about you know, what happens after this i mean are we going to see celebrity boxing are we going to see blogger boxing are we you know is it you know if if, if these guys think they're going to grow subs i mean they don't give a shit you know they'll they'll you know they'll put you know guys fighting each other with pipes out there if if they know it's going to grow subs so well i mean i think it's it's a manifestation of a very interesting trajectory with the truman show i think it came out in 1998 mm was presented as a dysotopian nightmare where somebody, an unwanted child at birth, is put into a 24-hour fraudulent world to be filmed with you know, thousands of cameras everywhere, every moment of their life, and everything is fake except them responding to the fraudulence. <laughs> and this was presented as a dysotopian nightmare. Right. Probably six years later, it is a source of anxiety to a generation to not be filmed all the time. Right. To right. not be on a reality TV show. Right. You know, the Kardashians are, some of them are billionaires now. Right. With no discernible skill or talent beyond accruing this money. Famous for being famous. Famous right. for being famous and a whole generation <laughs> of kids saying the number one dream they have is to be famous. Not to do anything. Right. Not to achieve anything. Not to help anyone. But just to be famous right so i'm not surprised by it but uh i think it's just the start i think you know if we, we're getting youtube celebrities i don't know where the bar lowers where i think soon you, you know executions are an expensive thing capital punishment is expensive and so why not monetize so it? why not monetize it <laughs> you know they're not doing anything you know what that's been rumored for so long i mean i remember when in the early days of the internet um, there actually was a website where they, they had like, you know, dog fighting and chicken fighting. Yeah. Like they actually had it on there and we're trying to make it pay-per-view like, you know, and so, I mean, I would not, it, it wouldn't shock me. It may not even be from the United States. Maybe it's from like the Philippines. Just make it viable. Right. Just, just turn a buck from it. It's right. moral. Right. Exactly. Like, you know, he seems to like to execute those drug dealers for no yeah. apparent reason, you know? Well, whatever, what, I mean, whatever it is, as long God, as... God, we're getting into some really dark territory. No, but, 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 I, think, but I, think it's, I, I think it's fair comment, though, with the Logan Paul thing. I don't know who the fuck these guys are. I don't give a fuck who they are. I mean, Logan Paul is going into a forest of, of uh, a prominent location in Japan for suicide, and he's filming it. He's commodifying yeah. 
That you know, somebody really who's reached that level of despair. Yeah. And nobody really cares. Right. 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 Like it doesn't cost him his job. I mean, it's, if anything, it gets more, t- it got my attention. That's where I, f- I heard who Logan Paul was mm. and that he has all these followers. It's very disturbing. I mean, the media is right. making money off of promoting it as well. Right. He's a commodity to them as much as to himself. So I think like, I don't, I don't know why it would stop this vacuous blonde, I think I saw on social media there's some sex video of him fellating another guy. I saw what? It, yeah, I saw it on Twitter, I think, yesterday the day before. Logan Paul. See Logan Paul Ooh, sucking uh, dick or something. I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> but the thing is, like, even if he was, like, would it make any difference to his bottom line? Isn't just another chapter that he can, like, <laughs> discuss and have a confessional video? And he probably leaked it himself. Like, it's just... God, so like I, it's so shameless. It's so like, shameless. Like anything that will get you attention and clicks, like it does. It really doesn't matter. It, it can. It can go to there. You know, the, like the, the immorality is just not. Getting as long the as clicks. the clicks come in, and you know the the money uh, comes in from the clicks, you know it doesn't matter. You know, the bottom line is the bottom line. The bottom line is the bottom line. So, <laughs> so I think to to your point, I mean, that was a successful venture. Right. It made money for everybody who was involved in it. And certainly the people promoting this boxing match, like it is totally shameless. As long as it makes money, it's moral, it's a success. It helps get more investment. It, you know, it's not going to get them fired for promoting it. So right. I don't know why. I mean, you have to think like the historical precedent somebody in Rome, as things were getting worse, said, <laughs> things are going bad. We could talk about that. We could talk about some solutions to it. We can constructively analyze this. Or <laughs> I've built this gigantic coliseum where we could see, like, these two guys like, fuck each other up. Or, yeah, lions, you know, eating Christians. I mean, yeah. anything, right? Like, I mean, it went from that. They had women fighting each other. You're tired of men killing each other? Let's put women in there killing each other. All right, well, well along those lines, who would you want to see? <laughs> <laughs> what celebrities are... YouTubers celebrity? you want to see beat the hell out of Well, I, yeah, let's real life celebrity death match. I mean, <laughs> I would have to enjoy, you know. I mean, yeah, it's weird. Do you want it to be? You want to see a Kardashian get beat up? I want to see a Kardashian get beat up. Well, if Kanye West qualifies as a Kardashian, <laughs> I think, I think, I mean, you'd have to think like Kanye West, then who do you put him in there with? Mm. Maybe Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw. Oh yeah, let's make it. Let's make it generational. <laughs> wow, you, woo, you put Terry on the Kanye level, or even Terry Bradshaw and Joe Namath would be kind of fun. <laughs> Geriatric deathmatch. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, maybe you know Kanye versus Trump or something. I don't know, but Kanye Trump. No. Talk about generational, but but I do wonder. I do wonder about the reverberations in, in a serious way. The reverberations of what was accomplished with that fight. Just just like with TV, right? You had, why do we need scripts? If people right. don't care about the scripts, right. and it doesn't cost any money to just have these well, that's fraudulent... It. It's much cheaper. It's much cheaper. And just as many people, even more people turn in more to, people. to people behaving badly. Yeah. Right. So these guys don't have a storyline. What if you start inventing stories? I mean, at some point... Oh, this wrestling thing is entertaining to watch two guys wrestling. You know what's more entertaining? Fuck the competition of it. Let's script it. Right. Right? right, right. What do you mean? Why would anybody care if it's so obvious it's scripted? Because if this wasn't scripted, I mean, 
this, everything they're doing would kill each other. So everybody's <laughs> going to know it's fake, right? Well, not until 1995 when we were forced to admit it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I, yeah, I remember when it, that was a thing. You know, it was like, a big thing. Is, is wrestling fake? And it's God, obvious. You are watching fake. multi-pile drivers and suplexes exactly. every Saturday. Right. You think 300 pounds. A, a man that size <laughs> is going to like bust someone's head like a watermelon. Right. You know? Right, right, right. Coming off a top rope with his elbow yeah, to the head. Yeah, no. <laughs> but but it still, it was a thing. But yeah. I mean... Is I, it real? I think it's the same thing where, you know, every person who is devoted to their faith is an atheist to every other faith. Mm. So mm. we don't apply the same scrutiny to our own thing. And, <laughs> and I was a wrestling fan. I, I believed Hulk Hogan was real more than the conduct of many deeply religious people I knew suggested that they actually believe there was a consequence for not (laughs) abiding by their faith, you know, and it was thrilling to believe that it was real. So I wonder, I wonder where we go as a result of this reality TV boxing match that was a big success. Yeah. You know, I think boxing again is its own worst enemy, but like probably one of the best things about boxing is there's a bit of transparency as to what these guys get paid. Yes. Whereas, I mean, I actually had a friend who was going to be on an MTV reality show and she showed me the contract and, oh, my God, was it massively like they owned her. Right. She could not function. She had to close all of her social media accounts. They controlled that. If she did anything with the rest of her life, they got a piece of it and they paid her like jack shit. Sure. All just to get a chance to be on a reality show on MTV. Yeah. Now, you know. In boxing, you know, these guys actually got a pretty nice cut. They got paid very well to get in there. <laughs> right. So, you know, if you could do it on the cheap and, and, and make money off of it, you know, the, that that would that would be the ideal for boxing promoters. But these guys are like, wow. I, I mean, if anything, though, they're like, you know, hey, they only fought a couple of rounds and look what they got paid. They made like probably over a million dollars each, yeah. you know, um, all in. But these audiences, man, I mean, you, you take two of the... Not big- bad for guys who, again, you know, like KSI, like Logan Paul, I think, I, I know his brother, Jake Paul, I guess they, they, they kind of became famous for doing, you know, wacky vignettes on Vine, which sure. is like the 15 second videos. So sure. that's kind of how they achieved their fame. And then they did it on YouTube. KSI, I mean, he was a British phenomenon. I have no idea how he got famous and no. got a bunch of followers. But but I mean, there's, I mean, you look at, I mean, go on YouTube and search, you know, farting in Walmart. <laughs> a lot of these videos have 2 million views. Right. You know, right. and they're pumping them out on a week-to-week basis. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Deontay Wilder, the biggest American... Yeah, you know, knockout machine. Knockout machine. Right. And he can sell, what, 200,000 pay-per-views fighting in a dangerous <laughs> right. fight. Right, right. And they need to give away half the tickets at his fights. And it's real. And it's, it's real. And it's real. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the that's the thing that I think, you know, like wrestling kind of pointed out. Like wrestlers hated when people say, is it real? Is it fake? And they're like, right. you don't say that to movie stars. Right, right. Because you care. Right. It doesn't matter that it's fake. And I think that Boxing's in a weird spot where these guys are better at promoting their product than we are. Right. When it's real, when there's real stakes and it's real people who are really good at it, as opposed to just tourism. So you're saying bring back the lions, basically. Bring back the lions, man. <laughs> Feed Logan Paul to a goddamn dinosaur. <laughs> no, I just can't stand his just this, this Prince Valiant blonde quaff. Just fuck off. 
But I mean, I. He's a good him. villain, though. He's, he's a, a good, good villain. Deal. He's a good villain, and and if you're gonna pay me a million dollars, I'll fight him. You know what, Brent? I think that's it. I think I think I think you need to like you know stay outspoken. And just call this guy out, you know? I yeah. Mean, he, you know, it's cruiserweights, you know? That's, that's, that's true. what he fought at. I mean, you, you well, could definitely, you know. Cruiserweight's not undoable. Yeah. It would be a little bit of road work, but, <laughs> you know, maybe cutting down the cigarette smoking from two to one a day. But Logan Paul, I'm ready. For a million bucks? Oh, I'd do it for a hundred grand. <laughs> I do well, hold on. No, no, no. I'm not going to let you say Sorry, a million bucks. <laughs> I would only do it for a million bucks. To uh, to look after my mother or whatever. <laughs> oh, yes. On that note, on that note, Bryn, I, I want to thank you for stopping by and, uh, and recapping 2019. And uh, best, uh, best of luck and best wishes for 2020. My pleasure. And I need better advice next time we discuss this Logan Paul fight because you are my attorney. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. All right. Take care. Thank you. And that will do it for another edition of the Boxing Esquire podcast presented by The Ring and RingTV.com and distributed by the Leave It In The Ring Network. I'd like to thank Bryn Jonathan Butler for taking the time out to speak with me. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment or a rating on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Audioboom, SoundCloud, or wherever you access the Boxing Esquire podcast. I'd really appreciate it as it helps new listeners find the podcast. And also, do not forget to check out my companion piece to this podcast on ringtv.com that features quotes and background on my interview with Brent. And until next time, so long, everybody. Did you get what you was looking for? 